Hey folks, David Chen here. Uh, before the podcast begins, at the end of this podcast, I mentioned that we're going to be reviewing Mank next week on the podcast, the new David Fincher film. Unfortunately, I was wrong about that. Mank is actually not going to be out on Netflix streaming until December. So instead, we're going to be reviewing Kajillionaire, the new Miranda July film. That movie is available for rent on video on demand. Um, so sorry about the confusion, but just wanted to call it out up front. We're not going to be reviewing Mac next week. That's impossible. It's going to be Kajillionaire. Thanks. Hope you tune in next week and listen to this episode as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardawar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing some world events over the course of the last few days that have happened since the Slash Filmcast After Dark that we published uh, last what, week. What could you be talking about? Nothing. I don't... Happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened. And then mm. uh, moving on into discussing some what we've been watching uh, before concluding with an in-depth review... Um, that is going to be a review of His House, the newest film uh, that is available right now on Netflix. It's a horror movie. Uh, has been getting a ton of great critical acclaim. It's by Remy Weeks, who His wrote first film. First film, Insane. wrote and directed the film. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Slash Filmcast. But before we get into any of that, I, I do want to announce a slight change in programming yet again. There was like, a, remember when there was a good one month period when I would say we're going to be reviewing X next week. And then I just kept changing it. Much and then to we the got chagrin. a single tweet from a single person that threw everything out of whack. Yeah, I remember that. Much to the chagrin of everyone who listens as well as the people on this podcast. Well, uh, so we are going to be reviewing his house, which is what we promised last week. So no deviation there. But I also promised last week a After Dark episode about... The Queen's Gambit, which is now on Netflix. Uh, unfortunately, not all of us could finish The Queen's Gambit. It's like you know many episodes, and we had to watch His House, and we also had uh, other things to deal with this week as well. Um, so we will be talking about The Queen's Gambit during what we've been watching this week. It won't be I the watched, After Dark. I watched more television this week than I have all year, and yet somehow <laughs> I've watched less television this week than normal if you know what i mean i know exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um so yeah we had other things on tv to watch so queen's gambit we will be talking about it it's going to be during the open watching however we do have a special after dark plan for you that is a discussion of the brandon cronenberg film possessor brandon cronenberg why can't i pronounce cronenberg easy for you to say cronenberg 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 okay you know Nailed how when it. the word you say the word enough and it loses its meaning? Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the new Brandon Cronenberg film, <laughs> Possessor. Possessor. Possessor, uh, which is out right now uh, on video on demand. And uh, Devendra and I watched it. Um, Jeff refused to. And so we'll, well be talking about it. I didn't know it. it was a requirement. <laughs> it became a requirement about four minutes ago. 
Well, also a couple weeks ago when we discussed it, I think your exact words were "fuck off, David." No, when I suggested it, no way in hell I'm watching this. Movie. <laughs> no way in hell I'm watching. That was this? the that was the week when we decided to w- watch Ted Lasso instead. Which yeah, you know, that's right, that's right. Um, um, which, I, no regrets. Which no is regrets. similar. Which is similar thematically to Possessor. I should. Point <laughs> it's out. true, actually. Um, it's mm. all about kind of you know inhabiting a space that's not familiar to you. You know, mm, they're both mm, both yeah. Possessor and Ted Lasso. They're basically the same thing. It, like, you, you basically have already watched Possessor if you've seen Ted Lasso. That's true. So, <laughs> exactly. One has uh, ultraviolence, one doesn't, you know. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about Possessor as the After Dark instead of Queen's Gambit. And, and um, patrons will get that first at patreon.com slash film podcast. Um, and starting in 2021, uh, patreon.com slash film podcast will be the only way you'll be able to get our special After Dark episode. So be sure to sign up soon to make sure you don't miss anything 2021 starting to seem like a real good year you guys yeah <laughs> i mean what else what else is there to look forward to come on so when we recorded our after dark that was published on the main feed uh last week we hadn't even gotten the confirmation that joe biden had won the election from all the major news networks right yeah uh and i, I guess i just want to ask you guys I, I literally spent all day Saturday celebrating with my wife, with friends, you know. Uh, How great to their... was it that it was a Saturday? Like, just that alone, it just feels like, you In know. the beginning of a Saturday, so you can or, have the whole day to really, yeah, really celebrate. Yeah, things are really yeah. turning a corner, you know. It just feels like it's all lining up. And previously, previously on 2020, uh, <laughs> you know, that would have been, it would have happened at the least uh, convenient time for everyone. It just seems like, you know, it was, it was great. It was great. It was like a little Saturday I, I, gift. I didn't know that people would spontaneously start dancing in the streets in jubilation. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I wasn't I, I would sure it would that. happen. Yeah. 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 Like I mean, somebody I, I, toppled I a, a Saddam Hussein statue or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it really was the reaction of a country that had kind of toppled a regime or unseated a dictator or like almost like a war had ended, right? Yeah. Like that's, it's almost it's like that magnitude of reaction. Of it just, is the onion headline of our long national nightmare is over basically, except yeah, they, they went with a funnier story this time around, which was, uh, of course the onion. It's great. I, you know, I, I did tweet out on Saturday that, uh, you know, most of us always thought the end of return of the Jedi was cheesy you know, and, and, until it happened for real. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, there were uh, no teddy bears from what I saw, but yeah, I mean, otherwise. A lot, lot of similar. Like, I, I guess I'm asking, I'm curious West about you Hollywood. guys. Like, t- tell me about your uh, Saturdays. Did you do anything special? Like, what w- what was your Saturday like for you? Because for me, it was a blur. It was like, um, my wife literally went out, bought like, cupcakes and then went around distributing them to friends and then like celebrating with them on the side that's great you know, that's how you socially distance on the sidewalk and everything so it was all it was all very safe but um you know she wanted to like spread the love and spread the the the, the pure euphoric emotions uh curious like what saturday was like for you guys was it just any other any old day or was it different <laughs> in any way <laughs> i mean it, i distinctly remember preparing lunch for my daughter and my wife was just basically asleep for most of Saturday because she didn't sleep the previous night because babies. Um, But yeah, so I had lunch with my daughter. I put her down for a nap. I just was hooked on the news. Then I raked the leaves. Then I cleaned the bathrooms and (laughs) 
I just felt myself being so much more productive because I didn't have the weight of an absolute <laughs> idiot being in charge of this country. And then, yeah, we we went to the park and kind of stumbled into a Biden celebration. And that was pretty great. So we, we did, did you something Did you miss being in New York this weekend? Oh, yeah, I, hell yeah. My sense this is the celebration like the, in New York was like real intense. This is why you want to be in New York. Because right. To, to it be is that there when stuff like just this things, happens. Yeah. yeah. The spontaneous celebration. Me, the, Mm-hmm. There was a teeny tiny part of me, as much as I love the the yub nub of it all, uh, I there was a teeny tiny part of me that was like, let's all stay a little farther away from each other, please, as we yeah. celebrate. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to be a wet I mean, blanket, but it just it just worries me. It, it well, seemed, all right, but also like uh, something I think we've learned over the past couple of months is cameras really lie with depth of field. So even if people are like celebrating outside appropriately from each other, it's sometimes hard to tell. So, yeah, I think what was like more upsetting to me than a lot of the footage of the celebrations, many of which like people had masks on, yeah. um, was uh, I, I attempted to watch SNL this week. I don't know if you guys <laughs> did the same thing. Oh, yeah. I, I tried to watch it live Are and the Notre, uh, Dame? Notre Dame game ended. <laughs> yeah. And as someone on Twitter put it, like, I didn't know that this game would turn into a snuff film because basically <laughs> you had like tens of thousands of people many of them seemingly maskless just rushing the field uh, oh at the end God. and it was like out yeah. it was outdoors and maybe some of them had masks yeah. on and it is outdoors but it just felt like they're, they're like unlike with the celebrations where like theoretically you could kind of space out uh, a lot of the time many of the, like their objective was to be closer together they're like rushing towards yeah. each other in the field anyway pandemic still basically, happening guys pandemic yeah. still happening please be safe when you're celebrating uh anything whether it be notre dame game i don't even know who won that game to be honest with you <laughs> notre dame <laughs> america beat, won okay. beat the number one team in the country yeah got then. it um and then um or uh or you know the election of uh, a candidate you're a fan of uh please be safe uh, listeners please I wear a mask say, by the way like i i especially miss being in new york because I walked outside in my neighborhood, which is, it's like a little progressive suburb, absolute silence. And I was so disappointed by basically everybody in my, in my suburb. I did get to talk to my neighbor and we just had like a long talk about like, yes, this feels great. He also doesn't know who else to trust around the neighborhood because we're in Georgia. So, you know, it's stuff like that, but we had some time to celebrate. So I dig that. What did you do, Jeff? Um, my, my wife was, was doing the same thing that sounds like your wife was doing, Dave, which is, uh, which is, she was like, she was like, I want to go and I want to buy things and I want to bring them to people that had <laughs> Biden Harris uh, things in their front yard. I don't know them. I just want to knock on their door and give it to them. And yep. she was like crying yeah. all day. And we were just, yeah. I went, I, we got our kids donuts in the morning and we just was like, it felt like, like a, what is, this is the best day ever. What's happening. Yeah. My kids were like, I, I, I will ahead. say I, w- I was unprepared for the emotion I would experience. Um, oh yeah. I, I honestly, I didn't, cause I, I didn't think it would make such a big difference. It's, and it, it was seeing Fox news call it that really yeah. made me feel like it's really over. Like, well, and if, if, the, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, just the fact that like we talked uh, on the podcast on the after dark about how like we seemingly live in different realities, but like Fox news is a window into mm-hmm. the other reality. OAN yeah. is another window into that reality, but like Fox News More of calling like a sewer it, it's like great. that one's right? like a sewer grate into the. <laughs> it's like you'll float too. No, um, but yeah, you, you know, yeah. there's a there's a certain relief in seeing Fox News say because it's like, oh, this is a news news organization, quote unquote, that like people on that side actually respect. 
Um, although think? it's being kind of torn apart right now by internecine <laughs> yeah. warfare, but like, uh, but so just seeing Fox News call it, I was like, it's real. I can actually celebrate at least for one day, which yeah. is about how long the euphoria lasted. Well, the the, <laughs> the the real tears for me started when Kamala Harris took the stage mm-hmm. uh, and started speaking in front of that awesome like drive-in movie theater right. scene. Um, but even before we get there, I, guys, I I. I do not want to overlook or give short shrift to the greatest moment in 2020. <laughs> the single greatest moment in the entire year, possibly one of the greatest comedic moments in the yep. history of man. Uh-huh. I, I am not I am not exaggerating. That is not hyperbole. I I believe that the four seasons landscaping moment Mm -hmm. it is better than most scripted comedies i I don't think aaron sorkin could have pulled that off it is too good it is just like yeah so (laughs) there's no bottom to the joy that i feel there's no the 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 well just continues to it is (laughs) so perfect so perfect in every sense like the the fact, like every new bit of information I f- discover about this event, it keeps making you, you feel like it, we've reached comedic perfection. And then you go, oh no, it was also <laughs> sandwiched between a adult bookstore specializing in lube and uh-huh, a uh-huh. and a crematorium. Yeah, and, it's about right. That's and fitting. then you find out. Then you find out that the event was delayed by the exact amount of time it takes to drive from the actual Four Seasons <laughs> Hotel in Philadelphia to uh, Four Seasons Landscaping. The idea that they did not cancel, that they just and went ahead they and They keep doubling through, down like, on it, too. It is, like, they were like, oh, yeah, the great Americans shop at Four Seasons Lawn, right? So, yeah, so mm-hmm. so so you're referring to the fact that Rudy Giuliani held a press conference on Saturday morning, right around the time, by the way, that the election was called. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a it, he was parking... informed. He was informed that Fox News called the election <laughs> while during, he was in the middle yeah, of the co- During the press, press conference. conference. Right. And, and it, it was like, a shock to him. <laughs> President Trump had tweeted out, uh, hey, press conference today at the Four Seasons, and then later corrected that tweet saying, actually, Four Seasons total landscaping, uh, <laughs> which is a fairly nondescript landscaping company uh, out in the suburbs, it seems, of Philadelphia. Uh, so the, and, the, yeah. the level of incompetence to... Get the wrong Four Seasons booked, right? <laughs> and and when you when you step through it in your mind, what must have happened? What had to have happened for that all to ha- to take place is the funniest thing that my brain can process. Like someone made a call to the wrong Four Seasons, the wrong Four Seasons, the Four Seasons total landscaping office fielded the call and said sure have your event here that's yeah. awesome this we'll is why they happen. named themselves four seasons they planned for this moment you know dude it is yeah. so funny and the fact that then once they realized they had the wrong four seasons they didn't just cancel it all they had to do was just go there was a mix-up we'll do, we, we will be rescheduling our press conference but no 
Giuliani drives to the wrong Four Seasons. They set up the most pathetic, sad little stage in front of this, like, biohazard warning sign. It is, guys, there's no, there's no end. Like, every detail makes it better. It, it, every single thing you find out about this event makes it better. It's the perfect, it, like, you, if you saw it in a movie, you'd be like, I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch. Well, know? on that note, I mean, just imagine getting pranked by Borat and that being the second most humiliating thing that happened to you in the last few weeks. <laughs> that's so true. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, I so, just didn't want to, I just didn't, I know, I know we want to talk about the election itself, but like, I, I almost <laughs> think it's a shame that the election was called on the same day that happened because because we would have been Every, talking about this for like a week, basically. Everyone right? like, should have been talking about that constantly. Like that should have been <laughs> the news story. And it's, you know, it's still so great, but it's, you it's know, sadly uh, been relegated to just a footnote now, yes, Jeff, right? Yes. R- rather than, uh, I mean, well, I, to be fair, I've seen a lot of news stories framing it as, you know, the, the campaign began, you know, on that escalator and is, right. is maybe it ended in the parking lot of a Four Seasons Total Landscaping. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think my favorite meme was that one. It was like the Star Trek episode. You know the Star Trek episode where like uh, they can all speak w- with metaphors. Did you guys know what I'm talking about? The Star Trek Next no. Generation. Um, I don't think so. There's a uh, well. I- I'm probably going to do a very bad job of explaining it, but there is a there's Star Trek: The Next Generation season five episode two. There's an episode called Darmok. Jeff, you'd actually appreciate this. I must have seen it. I've seen all of them, but I don't recall it. The Enterprise encounters a civilization which communicates only via metaphors. So this character, you know, and he'll he'll say things like Shaka when the walls fell. And that's his way of explaining like, hey, there was an event in the past where like Shaka was there and like the walls fell and it made him feel a certain way. And that's what he's trying to communicate to you. So he doesn't communicate normally. He communicates only using metaphors. And it's usually like, you know, uh, a location and event. Right, a location and an event, and I saw like a screenshot of the guy from Darmok, and it's like four seasons, the four seasons total landscaping when the campaign ended, <laughs> and all the Star Trek TNG fans out there will will get that joke. But um, yeah. anyway, that was my favorite meme that came out. Of my, <laughs> I, there's so many good ones. One of my favorites was somebody tweeted, uh, <laughs> "Ritz Carlton Plumbing, our day will come soon." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Uh, anyway, uh, let's take a quick break uh, and we'll be back in a second to talk a little bit more about what happened this week. It's time to thank our first sponsor for the night, Paint Your Life. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something truly unique and personal, we have got an awesome sponsor for you at paintyourlife.com. You can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from any photo at an affordable price. Now, I want to advocate for paintyourlife.com because you can see the results of us using this service. If you go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash film podcast, we got a nice photo of the three of us digitally composited by friend of the show, Danish Syed, uh, that was then painted by paintyourlife.com. And boy, is it beautiful. It's the three of us standing there in a way that captures our personalities perfectly uh, and is something that can now stand the test of time for all to enjoy. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo 
at an affordable price. Send any picture to paintyourlife.com or combine photos into one painting. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you can bring together family members who never had the chance to meet or create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for a family photo. Uh, This picture, this painting can be meaningful, personal, and cherished forever. I've used paintyourlife.com. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It makes the perfect holiday gift for someone you love or for yourself. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. 64000. Text FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the matters. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. All right. So before we move on, uh, I just want to ask you guys. Uh, so, so Jeff, you were you're saying about your your wife going on and yes, um, doing a bunch yeah, of no. Stuff? I mean, it was a it was a pretty wonderful day, and the fact that we got the call so early uh, meant that it was just it, it just felt like this monkey. I I'm a big San Francisco 49ers fan, and. Uh, I was a huge fan in the nineties when, uh, Steve Young and Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters won the Super Bowl. And Steve Young had taken over the team from Joe Montana, who won four Super Bowls and was, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, he, he was in the shadow of Joe Montana for a long time and people expected a championship in San Francisco. And there's this very, very famous shot of him on the sidelines when they were destroying in 94, I believe it was when they were destroying uh, the uh, San Diego chargers. And uh, there's a shot of him on the sidelines and he like leans over to somebody and he points to his back and he's like, can you just pull this monkey off? And it's in, and he's like miming and they're laughing and having a good time. And he was like saying, and he had been carrying this weight on his back for so long and it was finally removed. And I kept thinking that all day on Saturday, that feeling that like there had been this, burden this weight this heaviness that had been on my back for four years and it just felt like a lightness had returned even if only symbolically for now you know it's just felt like oh my god there's going to be a time where i don't have to fucking pay attention to what this idiot says you know like it, it it's going to be so so nice that he's just he's just irrelevant now you know and i'm sure there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that will still be a problem about him and his followers. And there's going to be a lot of shit that we'll still have to deal with, you know, from that mouth, I'm sure. But like he, he's we, not going anywhere, unfortunately. And a yeah. lot of people are saying he is still the most powerful, you know, Republican voice. So I but don't know what that's going to be. He doesn't speak yeah. for our country anymore. And but, I think that yeah. he doesn't represent me anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and. For that, I felt a lightness and a relief. Sure. It was a relief that <laughs> that washed over me all day long. It was it was pretty powerful. It was that Lord of the Rings thing where, where the king, right, who was cursed, just all of a sudden yeah. comes back to life. It is. It was that for an entire country. So I guess I'm curious, like, how do you guys feel today? Because you know, I had a day of wonderful celebration. 
that then gave way to you know intense concern about what's happening. And I, oh yeah, I These actually next honestly three months are going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. I actually honestly think I was tweeting about this today. I actually honestly think that like. I need to just unplug from it because yes. before mm-hmm. before um, with the election, there's actually utility to staying plugged in. Like it it motivated it motivated me to do more to help with the election, uh, whether it be giving money, whether it be phone banking, text banking. Like there was actually like a fun like it, there's actually some purpose to being online. Mm-hmm. Now everything that's playing out now, there's nothing I can do to impact this outcome. You know, if something terrible happens uh, and there's protests, like definitely I would get involved. But like other than that, it's just this all this stuff has to all be figured out by people that like I have no influence over at this point, right? It does. You can mm-hmm. still and help so, Georgia, by the way, for you, you guys. Right? Yeah, and no, no. I full, and I, I fully so, yeah. intend to. By the, I fully intend to be Please. involved in the Georgia runoff election in some way, um, in terms of volunteering. But uh, but uh, separate than that, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I I can't stop like uh, Bill Barr from, you know, saying, uh, declaring things that are really, really dangerous, yep. for instance, you know, so it's just like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I got to just kind of take a step back from what's but, happening. But you know, what's good is, is sort of just like seeing the news come out of the Biden campaign. It's like, hey, guys, we have a plan that's yeah. wielded by experts and yeah. science None of them are aren't related to Joe. Yeah, people yeah. that yeah. aren't related to Joe Biden, which is just mm-hmm. like, hey, you can take issue with who is on the pl- uh, on the panel. That's fine. Like, criticize it. That's cool. But like, at least it's a plan. You know, at least it's something to get us out of this mess. Yeah. So that's anyway, fine to me. Is is just in the? I know you say that you had one day and then you were sort of back feeling a, a dread. Yeah. I really haven't. I mean, there is some sense of you know he is not relinquishing. He's not, you know, um, yeah. conceding, but <clears throat> I, th- I honestly think like the, uh, there's nothing he can do. I, I really, I, I've turned a corner on feeling like he has any leverage at this point. Mm-hmm. Cause it's mm-hmm. it, the world has decided he's done yeah. the world, the world understands and the world gets it. And there's going to be this small, you know, small group of people that are going to whine and complain and maybe he'll have to be marched out of there so be it but I, I i think he can cause a lot of havoc and cause a lot of stuff i, I i'm definitely concerned about that i still as i said in our after dark last week i still feel a, a, a real worry that there are some people that are going to cause violence in yep. his name yep. uh but but i am heartened and i'm still in this place of feeling relief because of what davinder said because Every day since there's been news of like, oh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden sat down with a bunch of experts and they said they're going to, you know, there's going to be these thousands of people who are going to be assigned to do um, uh, source tracing and find out, you know, like adults the things we are should in have the been doing since again. March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like just I'm going to quibble with the specifics like I have in the past with all administrations, there's been things that I agree with and disagree with uh, strongly and that's all going to happen. But for now, it's just like, there's just a level of competence, mm-hmm. a, a, a base level of competence that has me so relieved. And I'm going to revel in that for a little while. I think that's reasonable to do. And, you know, it, it was nice to watch Kamala and Joe Biden speak on Saturday night and just remember what it's like when, um, there would be a president who didn't rely on hatred and some of our more baser instincts, right, to 
to rile people up. For you sure. know, people who can trying... actually serve as examples and have to say it is it feels a lot better to have a child in this world right now where Oof, I can point to it. the vice president and be like, that could be you one day or you could yeah. be in a position like that or you could be president one day. And my daughter, who is Puerto Rican and, you know, of Indian descent, too, because my family is from South America, technically. It's all very complicated. Um, but my daughter is many things. Kamala Harris is many things. And America is many things. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to really relishing that. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, glad to hear you guys are in a better place than when we record. It's it was It's so fascinating yeah. to me, by the way, that, like, we all, as we said on Thursday night when we recorded the After Dark, is like, we all kind of knew that. It was going to be called for Joe Biden yeah, at any yeah. point, but the 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 difference between knowing it's probably going to be called and then it actually happening was like night and day, like in yes. terms of the the feeling, the reaction, you know. Yeah, so, and also the the way that it was called was unambiguous, and and like you said, mm-hmm. Fox News called it right. Everybody yeah, yeah. called it. It there was no, and then all the calls started coming in from the international leaders congratulating, and it just felt yeah. like oh. At a certain point, it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter if he's like, no, I'm not leaving. And mm-hmm. I don't think I really grokked that before. Right, I, right, I, right. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm the yeah. same way. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, no, I I, I just think it was, you, you felt like he somehow, through sheer force of will, could throw a monkey wrench into the into the plans. But the the way it played out, it, it, it was a snowball rolling down a hill. And, and I just don't think there's any stopping it. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the truth. That's the reality that has taken place so on the one hand i think you are correct in the sense that um on january 21st or whenever the inauguration happens like whatever that date is um the military is going to start taking its orders from Mm -hmm. joe biden and i assume joe biden you know or someone whoever they they believe the winner to be the secret service is going to start protecting someone as the new president of the united states and it's like you know those people will make those decisions and they'll probably make the decision based on who won the election yeah. Uh, so I, I agree that like there's there's certain forces like world leaders will start treating Joe Biden as the president of the United States. You know, like there's certain things that you cannot stop just because you say that they're not the case, right? And so mm-hmm. I agree with you. On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I want to pause and reflect. Like Farhad Manji tweeted this, and many other people have tweeted something like this. But he said, "quote This is one of those if it happened elsewhere, but really, if a president refused to accept election results, gets the full backing of his party." fires the defense secretary to get a more pliable one and his attorney general sends out a memo about voter fraud. That's not good. End quote. Right. And you know, if, if this yeah. happened in another country, we would be calling it a coup. Right. And, uh, the fact that it's happening here, I think people want to normalize it. They want to say, oh, everything's fine. Everything's okay. It's going to be okay. But like, we should say this is the first time in the history of the country where the, the sitting president has refused to accept the results of the election. And even though I think you're probably right, it's probably going to all be Okay. We should just pause and acknowledge the fact that this is like an unprecedented situation mm-hmm. and uh, understand how dangerous it is. So yeah. I'm, I'm not so worried right. about this, by the way. Like, I am not worried about this. I'm worried about, like, the thing. I tweeted a great article by uh, Zaydan Tufekci, who is one of my favorite writers, like, during the pandemic and even before. She's an amazing sociologist. Um, and she wrote this thing uh, at The Atlantic, which was just like, the next American dictator, you know, will be a lot more competent. Yeah, and yeah. that's the it, thing we really have to watch out for. So, twenty twenty four and beyond, I I don't know what's going to happen. I will say the icing on the cake of everything on Saturday was uh, Trump was golfing 
when the race was called. It, so it shows course. that he's not really taking this challenge too seriously. I yeah. Think, right. It's like, yeah, but he, he can still cause a lot of damage, but he's just not really focusing his full attention on it. Anyway, Jeff, sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say that I think you're you're absolutely right to, to still be concerned and we should all be. Uh, there's a part of me that says the the less we take this fucko seriously, the less power he has. But he still does have some power for three mm-hmm. months. Uh, the the other thing that's that's so crazy, so crazy when you step back and really contextualize it, is what you said, which is the first time in American history a, a president has refused to accept the election results and refused to concede. The craziest fucking thing is we all knew that would happen yep. no matter what. Right, it right. It didn't matter what happened in the election. It like the 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 actual events didn't cause the unwillingness to accept the results. The unwillingness to accept the results predated the events that he's unwilling to accept. Like it's crazy. There's no situation in which he loses and he would have accepted the results. Yeah. It, it, and that alone, like, <laughs> it's just so bonkers to me that people are like, well, there's, <laughs> there's a, it doesn't matter. Like the, there's no evidence that he would have taken that would have made him think that the, 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 the election was legitimate. It, it is. And that alone should invalidate what he's saying. Like just that. We all knew it was gonna happen. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I, I do appreciate Kurt Mega in the chat room. We're broadcasting live right now. He says he has a good friend in the military who has said many very powerful conservative military leaders have already vowed to support Biden and are committed to a transfer of power. That's so good. that does reassure you know, broadcasting live right now on the slash filmcast in this YouTube chat room, it does reassure me just a little bit. So I am I am glad about that. Um, and yeah, President Trump has done not very much to endear himself to the military. We should point that yeah. out, right? So uh, anyway, uh, glad you guys are feeling better. I'm still very worried, but I'm going to try to pay less attention, at least until uh, I need to participate in the the uh, Georgia election and also uh, until I need to take to the streets. Until then, I'm going to try to just tune this stuff out. Um, because I just don't think there's anything I can do about it. So keep yourself sane, and that goes for everybody. You know, yeah, you goes for everybody. Stay healthy. safe. Yeah. Um, but uh, hope you I'm, are. I'm, yeah. Go ahead. Jeff. I'm sorry. One last little button. I'm just very. Um, I'm looking forward to Devendra being able to give us a blow by blow, play by play of being in the yes. heart of the. You know, like you are. You are in it, man. You are Who'd at ground thought? zero. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Who'd have thought, Devendra? I mean, that you would be the, moving to the flashpoint of the country yeah. in terms of this election there, there's been a lot happening in georgia for a while guys but uh it is funny because like when i moved here everyone was like why would you move there and <laughs> now it's like oh i see there's the a verge of flipping blue on the, yeah. i mean arguably already has but you know depending on uh, how the next few weeks play out so uh anyway it's exciting yeah all right well let's move on uh oh before we get to the next topic uh also want to acknowledge that Alex Trebek passed away at the age of 80 this week. Um, Very, very sad. Uh, And I think uh, I had always appreciated his work on Jeopardy. Davindra, you put this item on the show notes. I think the man is a legend. Like who who on TV like is Alex Trebek right now? Like who who has that same sort of role? Who has that same sort of longevity on television? People love this man. Um, There were a lot of great memes going around. 
after um, his death, you know, his death was announced. And it was just him, like people just saying how much he meant to them. Uh, somebody, there was a great one of somebody saying like he learned English while watching Jeopardy, you know, on his grandfather's lap. Uh, so he was able to thank Alex Trebek in person. So I, I love the man. He always stood for a, you know, a intelligence, but like a wry wit. Um, yeah. I do think all the celebrity Jeopardy stuff uh, in, you know, from SNL was based on the fact that this guy was kind of spunky at times. I always appreciated that even as a kid. Um, Suffer no fools. Yeah. 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 And in 2011, I'll say one of my favorite uh, tech memories, uh, just covering tech, I got to go up to the IBM headquarters um, in New York. I forget which town that is, uh, but they were doing a mock uh, Jeopardy thing with IBM Watson. So they were going to announce like the results that day. So we just got to see some of it done live and he was there just doing it. And he seemed to really enjoy the process. And it, it, he just seemed like such a professional, like here, here's a guy who's had such a storied career and now he's watching a computer, you know, an AI computer play his game and just really going with it. So I don't know. I love that. I love the man and I'm sad to see him go. Indeed. A, a patron saint of geeks, you know, yeah. he, uh, yeah. he really is, uh, I think before, you know, he did it for, for 40 years. How long, yeah, how long was around, Jeopardy on? Um, uh, and, I think it was around 37 seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, this predates nerddom being mainstream. And I, and I think right. that there was a lot of nerddom that was celebrated in that show before it was ever a thing, before it was ever cool, before it, it you know, it was cool to know stuff on that show. It was cool to be uh, a nerd a geek. Um, and I, I, I was never a big Jeopardy fan, but I always related to that aspect of it. And I think he personified that he singularly personified that respect for intelligence and knowledge and being articulate, um, being precise, like the precision of that show came from him and his precision. And, um, it's something I will always respect. It's a tragic death, particularly because one of the things that I feel we have started becoming overcome with over the last few years is like this idea of anti-intellectualism, mm -hmm. um, growing disrespect for expertise. Just look at how this pandemic has been handled, right? And uh, the idea, the concept of Alex Trebek was that like facts are often knowable and it's important to get them right. You know, I, I appreciated like, when I think of Jeopardy, I think of like all uh, how precise they were, right? How like um, sometimes like they would acknowledge getting things wrong or, you know, when yeah, uh, yeah. somebody guessed something that was like arguably correct, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we got to acknowledge it. That might be correct. You know, there's, there's this idea of like it matters to get it right. And I appreciated that about uh, Alex Trebek and about Jeopardy. So thanks for all the memories, Alex, and rest in peace. Let's move on. Uh, let's do like one quick what we've been watching. Um, how about you, Jeff? Why don't we start with you? Wolf of Snow Hollow, right? Is that what you've been watching this week? Yeah, I uh, I rented Wolf of Snow Hollow on Amazon Prime Streaming. Uh, and uh, this is... I didn't know you are going to me quite so quickly. Hang on a second. This is um, a Jim Cummings' uh, new film, Jim right? Cummings. Who, Love Jim Cummings, yeah. What a fascinating actor this dude is. Not and a creator, really. I mean, he, this is written, directed by uh, Jim Cummings. Um, his previous film, Thunder Road. Have either of you seen that? 
I, I keep meaning to. I keep hearing it's amazing. I think Jim Cummings has said he is willing to come on the Slash Filmcast at some point. You know, wow. Um, if, <laughs> Once if, you see his I, movie, I, yeah. I don't remember if, if that if that Twitter interaction happened, but it feels like it did. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I keep meaning to see it, but I until this date have not seen it yet. Thunder Road is. I I watched it a few months ago as the pandemic was worsening. As I don't remember exactly what week it was, but it was a terrible week for me. Uh, it as there's been so many terrible weeks in 2020 for me uh, personally, and and I think for the world. But I have uh, gone through a lot of personal family stuff uh, that's been really hard, and we've had a lot of health issues in my family and. There's been a. It's been a very, very, very difficult year, and continues to be, quite frankly. Um, but uh, that film is really was really hard for me to watch at that time. Uh, I need to revisit it, but I, I honestly like it's. It is heart wrenching, and it, it is watching a man go through self destruction, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I don't think I. I appreciated it. I just don't think I enjoyed it. Uh, and it was a lot more to do with the time that I was seeing it. Wolf of Snow Hollow is is his follow-up to that film. And it actually treads some of the same ground. Clearly, this, this guy, Jim Cummings, extremely interesting performer. He knows what he does well. And he writes characters and shoots characters that showcase what he's so good at. And a lot of what he's good at is portraying a person who's spiraling out of control. And it's fascinating. He does it in a, such a quirky, interesting, offbeat way that you can't take your eyes off it. It's funny and heart-wrenching all at the same time. And in both of those films, that's what you're seeing the central character do, is, is completely unravel. Uh, and... The first movie, Thunder Road, that I saw uh, is is really a, while very funny at times, very wry, very dark humor, but very funny. Um, it is just it, it's it's real. It's played in in a very real way in, in the real world, and it 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 felt, you know, it's about a cop. It was like all of these things that were happening in the real world to me. Like it it just it was hard to watch. I had a hard time watching it. The Wolf of Snow Hollow, I actually prefer. I think it's, for me, a more accessible movie, and I enjoyed it a ton. I think The Wolf of Snow Hollow is an easy recommendation. A movie I think you it's hard to compare to any other movie. It is so unique and so different and tonally walks this fascinating line because, again, it is heartbreaking and... Uh, and real and grounded and and melancholy, but it's also about a freaking werewolf. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like about this <laughs> like science science fiction uh, fantasy horror premise. And I really, really, really want to talk spoilers with you guys about this movie. Maybe we, you guys can watch it at some point, and we can do a after dark sure. segment on yeah. it. But yeah. Um, because I think the what this movie does with its premise, or almost in spite of its premise, is really special. Um, I mean, it, it it's this really broad, cool genre premise, but it almost like ignores it for a. It's it's about this this guy 
going crazy. I mean, having a hard time, having a, a real breakdown um, against the backdrop of this fascinating genre premise. Like the premise itself would be an awesome movie. And then it layers on this other level and almost is more interested in that other level. And uh, where it goes is is pretty awesome. I I really enjoyed this movie. It's unlike... I'm having a hard time comparing. I mean, I, I guess the easy comparison is like a Coen Brothers kind of situation, you know, like a Fargo. But right. I think it really carves out its own unique take, its own unique tone and feel. It's full. It, the The comparison to the Coen Brothers comes from the fact that it's full of quirky, interesting, offbeat characters. Uh, everybody you meet in this world is unusual. You know, it has it is memorable. Um, Robert Forrester, the late Robert Forrester is in this movie and is great. Um, the movie is dedicated to his memory. Uh, it's such a loss. That guy such a, was doing such interesting work at the end of his life. Um, mm -hmm. there's a, a number of really great character actors in this movie and the, the discussions, the way the movie is edited is fascinating. Like it'll intersperse two scenes together that take place completely different times with the same characters. You know, you'll have, uh, cops like investigating a crime scene interspersed with the crime itself happening. And it's fascinating to see that. I mean, it's not, it's like happening like shot, 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 like very fast. It's just a really interesting, unique movie that might be a little, I mean, I know I have a, a friend who thinks it's a little too close to Thunder Road tonally, but I prefer it. I actually prefer it. And I think it's, um, just because it's this genre film, you are brought into the experience in a, I think a smoother, more, you know, less frictiony way, or at least I was, but I highly recommend the Wolf of Snow Hollow. All right. It's time for me to jump in here and talk about our sponsor candid, you know, those things that you always tell yourself you want to do, but you haven't done it. Well, for my wife, one of those things was having straighter teeth and a better smile. She always was a little unsatisfied with her bottom teeth, and she finally was done putting it off, finally was done just living with it, and went with Candid. Thanks to Candid, strengthening her teeth was simpler, easier, and more comfortable than ever. She's done this. She has gone through the entire process. It was, uh, I think it was know, several months of wearing her clear aligners, which are comfortable, removable, and practically invisible. I hardly ever knew if she was wearing them or not. She would just uh, all of a sudden go, oh, I'm taking them out, pop them right out. It's super simple. This is not like wire bracer braces. You, uh, you transform your smile without anyone even noticing, including your husband. I didn't even, I couldn't even really tell. Uh, and your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. And it's all done from the comfort and convenience of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to worry about appointments. You just get it sent to you. It's cool. It has a little box that comes with all the information you need. You take pictures, and uh, Candid only works with orthodontists. You never have general dentists like other companies. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan. So you never have to wonder how you're doing. You'll always know, which is so nice. My wife loved that. The average Candid treatment is just six months. It's so funny. I didn't even realize how long it was. <laughs> One, because time has no meaning in this weird world we're living in now. But second, because I never knew if my wife was wearing them or not. 
because they're practically invisible. But you'll start seeing results way before six months, and it costs thousands less than braces. So start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all the listeners to Slash Filmcast can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash filmcast and use the promo code filmcast. That's candidco.com slash and then the word filmcast. And the promo code is filmcast. That's C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Promo code Filmcast, take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash Filmcast, promo code Filmcast. Hey, let me jump in here for our sponsor and ask you the simple question. Are you sick of cable? Yeah, we are too. That's why we're switching to Fubo TV for live sports, news, and primetime TV without the complicated contract. We love watching TV here at the Slash Filmcast. Not a fan of our cable company. I bet you feel the same way. Cut the cord. Go with Fubo TV. You can pay less money for more channels and no bulky set-top box. Fubo TV is how you should be watching TV. You get everything you want all in one place for less than the cost of cable. Fubo TV brings you over 100 channels. Cloud DVR, no hidden fees. Stream your shows on your TV or any other smart device you may have. They got all your favorites. They got all the major broadcast and cable networks. You can find your shows. You can get This Is Us and The Bachelor and Premier League and NBA and news channels and all the stuff you need. And there's no risk to try it out. Get full access to Fubo TV for a few days for free. And right now, Fubo TV is offering listeners of the Slash Filmcast the free trial and 15% off your first month by going to Fubo TV slash Filmcast. There are no contracts. And you can cancel any time. Go to FuboTV slash Filmcast for 15% off your first month and, and a free trial. And a free trial! And a free trial! That's FuboTV.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right. Let's move on to what else we'll be watching this week. Devendra, what have you watched this week? Sure. I checked out a couple episodes of Blood of Zeus, which is the new Netflix anime series. It's actually... It's Western anime, but um, so it's it's not like a Japanese production or anything. This is a show about um, a commoner living in ancient Greece who, you know, quickly discovers he has some powers and it's related to Zeus because uh, that, that guy was all over the place, you know, just just really, really having kids all over. This is a show. It reminds me a lot of um, the Castlevania show that hit Netflix because it's a very it's an adult animation show it's very violent um you know there's a lot of gore and nudity and everything in it um it's a show that's just about an ongoing war between the gods basically so if you're into greek mythology um i I think it's kind of interesting there especially like now that everybody's playing hades um it's kind of a fun time to explore this and i really like the art style uh it reminds me of like um if you've ever seen like Greek mosaics or art that we, that we have from back then, or just even the statues, it has a very specific style that looks good. My only quibble with the show is that the animation is just kind of, just kind of not there. <laughs> there. There's a point in the first episode where I think a wagon or a horse was just walking by. And it looked like five frames of just a thing, just like moving in stop motion. It's not good. Um, I have, uh, especially after like just rewatching legend of Korra, I have certain standards, the standards I need for my animated shows. 
this doesn't quite hit it, but I think the voice acting is good. Um, it's like it's an interesting story that's telling, so I'll probably finish it. And I'm into this stuff. I like Greek mythology, and I feel like it's doing some interesting things. Uh, funny enough, this is a show um, by the Parla Panides brothers. They wrote Immortals. So this is actually their first uh, or their second you know, attempt at doing something within this uh, this mythological framework. I don't. We reviewed that movie. I don't think I hated it, but it was just kind of Henry, a nothing. Henry burger. Cavill was that the one? Yeah, yeah, the Tarson movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah. So yeah, it was they're, okay. They're it was all right. It. it was all right. It was all right. Not not a bad film. Um, yeah. So this, I think if you're into anime, if you're into this mythology, it's probably worth watching. These guys also wrote the Death Note movie that was terrible. So mm. you know that didn't work out well for them. But this is all right. All right. Well, folks. Hey Dave, yep. Go so ahead. Can I just say one more thing about Wolf of Snow Hollow? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sorry. Uh, that, it's, I only watched it because of hashtag slash tag. Mm, and yeah, yeah. I want to thank, uh, there's at least four people that recommended uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow on hashtag slash tag. And I, I don't want to let that go by. It is, I find it to be such a useful resource. If you have any suggestions for us or for your fellow slash film cast listeners, Use that hashtag slash tag. I sit down when I'm deciding what to watch and I read through all of them. I appreciate, I have several in in my list of, of ones that I haven't gotten to yet that people have recommended. I so appreciate people embracing that that hashtag. So use hashtag slash tag. You know, it, I think I think it's one of the best things we've ever done is to come up with that and, and, <laughs> and put that into use because it, I found yeah. it to be so useful. So thank you, everybody. It's very helpful. I did see a rather graphic image of uh, Batman and Joker uh, in the hashtag slash tag. Yeah, don't um, do that. It's not cool. Well, it, well, it's because they're using Just say that to a, Dave directly. Please. They're using that as a slash fiction uh, tag, FYI. So <laughs> just be, just be wary, okay? It's not one, a rated one G anomaly, hashtag. One anomaly, right? One, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a rated, but just it's not a rated G hashtag. But I agree with you, Jeff. It's very useful. And it was clean when we it. started. You know, we, we did do some <laughs> testing. Yeah, I feel like yeah, we yeah, popularized we it now. Somebody's trying to take it over. Yeah, not they're cool. trying to co- commandeer. All right. Anyway, uh, hey, by the way, Devendra, do you have a chance to check out How to with John Wilson by any chance? Oh, I did. I, wanna... I saw the first episode. Um, it was. Well, it is something like I, I really dig the vibe. I have not seen the uh, what was it the the, the one, scaffolding episode. The scaffolding episode. I have yeah. not seen that yet. Uh, I'm digging it. My wife watched it with me and mostly it was just like, it felt like just wandering around New York and people watching yeah. in New York. So it felt yeah. good in that respect. Yeah. All right. It sounds like it wasn't really your thing, but I'm glad you gave it a shot. I like it. I like it. My wife is just kind of, it's not her style of comedy. Um, and also the PSA at the end of that episode is just like graphic, graphic shots of him taking his cat's poop and flushing it. People don't flush your cat poop. Don't flush your cat poop because our water filtration systems cannot process that. So you're mm. just you're putting poison in the water supply, people. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, guys, let's talk about The Queen's Gambit. This is uh, the Netflix miniseries in which uh, orphaned chess prodigy Beth Harmon struggles with addiction in a quest to become the greatest chess player in the world during the Cold War era. So I, I have heard amazing things about this miniseries which is based right. on walter tevis's 1983 novel of the same name and uh, lots of people i respect just going off on twitter about how amazing <laughs> this is on letterboxd uh like shows movies 
that I like literally in my top 10 movies of all time are get a 3.3, 3.5 out of five star average, right? That's, that's letterboxd. Like when I look at letterboxd, like my favorite things of all time are like 3.3, 3.5, 3.6 out of, out of five Queens Gambit, 4.4 stars out of five. Average, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it must this, be this perfect. Thing's gotta, this thing's yeah. like, gotta be good. Also, I love chess movies, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah me searching too. For Bobby Fisher, the other, you know, there's a bunch of other chess movies that have, you know, so I love chess movies. So I'm like, okay, slam dunk guys we're gonna review this queen's gambit thing and it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome um and so we had slotted it for the after dark today uh of course we haven't finished it so we're just gonna talk about this during the what we've been watching we'll talk about most of the episodes um but uh but we will not talk about the ending or the very last episode um uh, and I trouble began almost immediately in the first episode <laughs> when uh, basically this the, the character of Beth Harmon is played by two different characters, uh, two uh-huh. different actors, I should say. And they gave the younger version of Beth Harmon the exact same haircut as the old version at one point in the movie. That's how you know like, who it is. Yeah, it's well, it's just like it's just like oh, it's um it, the the show is not trusting you to know uh, who you this really took is, that personally. Diff- wow. It's fine. It, it, it just really went... like the haircut. It's like, come on. <laughs> In any case, uh, I l- think let you're, me ask... you're you're skimming over the 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 first indicator, uh, which yes. was a, which was a text message that you may have received at one point. Yeah, tell me you, about the text uh, message. Systematically Jeff. ignored. <laughs> tell me about the text message, Jeff. Tell me about the text For me, message. Saying, uh, "Hey guys, uh, are we are we sure about this one? <laughs> I'm two episodes in." Are we are we sure about this one? To which Dave replied, "I am committed to watching this. I'm committed to reviewing this." You did to make which, this um, your own bed here, Dave. Yeah. To which I to which I uh, immediately assumed, oh, Dave has watched a significant amount of this and is mm. into it, mm. digging mm. it. <laughs> because which was, you know, yeah. Because why would I say something like that? Why would I say something like that unless I was already into it? Got to be way ahead of me if I'm, you know, if I'm only two episodes in, maybe Dave, Dave, clearly no regrets on his part. You know, he's, he's, he's got more empirical evidence than I do. So I must be the one. I'm the crazy one. See, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So Uh Jeff later discovered I hadn't even started the series at the time I sent that. (laughs) Not a single minute of watching it really going off the hype here so so jeff why did you not feel compelled to keep watching after a couple episodes well i don't want to step on your toes here you were you were you were going i just wanted to bring in my my text message but i you know i I, I, you were warned basically yes because you were saying the first the first warning sign i was like "Eh, yeah there was a little bit of an earlier warning sign there bud yeah but yeah 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 so so but but yeah no 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 but like why you you didn't feel compelled to finish it so i'm just curious like what what was i did not feel compelled to finish it i i think it's fine i think it's fine i like you i have people that i love and trust whose opinion i hold in high regard who are saying this is one of the best things of the year it is a masterpiece and I don't know what they're watching. I mean, I, I think I am completely baffled by the reaction to this, this <laughs> yeah. miniseries. It's, fun. I, it's like it's, it's, it's like fun. the Will Ferrell like shitting on the, it, the the love of the people no, right now. No, it's, well, it's like, like yeah. the Will Ferrell like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, yeah, is there because yeah. because people? I, I made a kind of snarky remark about this on Twitter uh, on Saturday, and uh, the the intensity with which people defended yeah. this show. 
it was like just like uh, wow like but for me I, I i feel almost exactly the same way you do jeff it's like i don't hate it or anything but yeah. it is at best mildly silly you know about like this show that that i feel it doesn't do any th- one thing particularly well uh, I agree. There, there are some great things, like from a storytelling perspective. There are some great aspects of the show. The production values are incredible. It looks beautiful. Love the cinematography. Anya Taylor Joy, super talented. Like she's I've, incredible. I've she loved really her is. since The Witch. Like this is a this is a fairly good showcase of her talents. And really, the really, her eyes because yes, it's her, her eyes over she the has incredible board. eyes. It's just incredible like, eyes. That's it. Yeah. The character of Beth Harmon is virtually a cipher. Like there is almost <laughs> nothing there, in my opinion. Um, I, I struggle for five out of seven episodes to come up with any adjectives to describe this character. And there are some like kind of interesting moments towards the end of the show when you actually start to see the cost of her excellence, right? The cost of this uh, pursuit of, uh, of greatness for her. Um, but it feels very mild. Uh, speaking and you know, very mild is a great way of describing the entire show, in my opinion. Because like, yeah, there she she encounters very few um obstacles, as far as I can tell. Like, uh, I was watching this. We we watched this in our COVID bubble, and my wife was just kept remarking upon how everyone is so nice to her. Like every time you think something terrible is about to happen to her. It's like, nope, that person is just being nice to her. It's just their wind up for being yeah. nice to her and treating it's her really kind, It's kind of refreshing, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> I one of the things that I was going to say when we were gonna, you know, do this as a full thing, I was gonna start with my the things I liked about the show. And one of the things that I really thought was incredible in the first two episodes was first of all, the sound design of pieces hitting a chessboard. Mm-hmm is great. It's like it's like a sledgehammer every time they place a, a piece on a board. And there are a number of chess games in the early part of this series where, to the show's credit, they don't explain anything. And you just get all of the context of what's happening through the facial expressions of silent players. You are watching a silently played chess game where and I was like, you know what? A lesser show, a lesser film, a lesser piece would feel compelled to have some sort of announcer explaining what's what's happening as it goes. Well, well they kind of literally, do a bit a bit of the a beautiful mind thing, but not quite. Like not enough to distract from just the intensity of the play, which I think is the well. Key. But but then literally, like episode three, they do that exact thing. Like literally, have an announcer. <laughs> explain yeah. to you what's happening and why it's important. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was so with you for those two episodes. And you just let us like understand the, the, the back and forth of the play through the players reacting to the board. Like it was so interesting. It was such a cool, confident way to do that. And then like by, by episode three, it's like, Oh, she's trying the, the, the Phoenix approach. It's not gonna, it's not working. You know, it's like, Oh, <laughs> You, pretty good, you completely abandoned that. Pretty good impression it, it, of the announcer. Um, <laughs> but, but, not, not, not like, uh, let me just say, by that point, like she she accelerates very quickly to be, you know, a countrywide champion and is playing an international game. So I do think it's it's sort of like it is doing the sports announcer voice thing, except sports announcer for chess. Like that was the whole point of it. So it never felt like it's trying to explain chess to me. It's more like this is a big deal because this guy, his job is to announce the chess game 
like a sportscaster. That's how I read it, at least. Yeah, but I think he's there functionally in the show to handhold the audience through the drama. And I just I just appreciated that the show didn't rely on that earlier. Like it was confident enough to know that, oh, I'm invested in what these characters are doing because I see what it means to them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a thing I think I've said on the show before that really affected me as a young actor when I was in acting school. I had a, a class in which we had to do this exercise where we had to invent a game and play it without explaining the rules to the audience. We literally just like, you come up with a rule like, oh, I have to stand up when you sit down and you have to lie down when I stand up, whatever. I mean, that's an established game, but whatever. It's, it, it doesn't matter what the rules were. It, they mm-hmm. were arbitrary rules. We had to know the rules and then we had to play the game in an attempt to win. And the lesson that we were to learn from that, and I did take away from it, was that it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you are committed to it and invested in it. The audience will be invested in it too because they're trying to figure out, they're watching you be invested and interested is interesting. And I thought, oh my gosh, this show is is an example of that. It's like perfect, It's it believes that too. And then of course it just abandons it. So uh, I was, I, well, let, it let me just say, because it sounds yeah. like you guys are just extremely disappointed by the show, which I just, it's, to me, it's just like delightful and it is sort of a, I guess it's kind of a refreshing thing to see now because it doesn't feel like anything else that's in the streaming landscape. Like you could tell this is adapted from a novel because I think it's uh, the plot kind of moves the way novel would like characters get introduced really quickly and abandoned super quickly too. like you could tell a lot's happening, but I think it just feels different. Um, I will say this up front. I love Scott Frank. I love him as a writer. I love him as a director. Um, you know, he's done, uh, he did The Lookout, which is a movie that's kind of hard to find right now, but I really enjoyed it. The uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing. But this guy wrote Out of Sight. This guy wrote Minority Report, you know? So he has like a really good eye for like, um, for thrillers and noir type things. And I feel like this was a really interesting portrait of a young girl who suffered extreme loss at a young age. And I didn't think I'd be into it really at, within the first episode, but she she's orphaned like pretty much immediately as the show begins. And she just suffers through like, I know there aren't many challenges in the games, but her life is not great. Cause apparently at this point, um, you know, people gave kids tranquilizers, so they didn't act up. And it just seemed like I was really connected with this character because I wanted, I wanted her to, to succeed this poor or- orphan who has nobody who has very little and, isn't much of a talker, but she has chess. And I feel like that hook was enough for me. So I'm about five episodes in right now. And I have to say, it is, it is a very nice escape from election shit and just the state of the world and everything happening. It is, it's a show that's, you know, the only important thing is chess. It's chess and it's Beth Harmon and, you know, how she's playing it. And I appreciate that. So I think that's part of the appeal right now. It is a perfect escape. Because uh, they're it's um it's globe trotting a bit. She's traveling all over the place and like you know playing in places with crowded people, um in major conventions and whatnot. And it just seems so we're living vicariously through her in a way. Um, where if this came out last year, I feel like it would just be forgotten almost immediately. I want I want to point out I love Scott Frank as well because he went mm-hmm. to my college. He's an alma mater, Gaucho yeah. UCSB. <laughs> There was one episode in the show that I actually really appreciated out of the seven episodes, um, and that was episode five. Um, mm-hmm. She has an encounter with Harry Beltic, who is introduced early on as like one of the chess champions in Kentucky, 
And I won't reveal what happens, but I'll just say that it's the only episode that I felt like truly struggled with or grappled with what it means to pursue excellence and what the cost mm-hmm. of that is. And that's when I felt like the show was really about something, you know, was it was episode five. Um, and so I really appreciated that. But I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it, Devendra. I'm glad obviously millions of people out there really, <laughs> really love this show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was ready, you know, and I was ready to watch a show where like Anya Taylor Joy goes in and kicks ass in a man's world, you know. Like I really, uh, I, I'm, I love chess movies. I'm predisposed to love this this kind of thing, um, but I found it to be a crushing disappointment. And also, um, I thought the chess was handled badly. Like I mm-hmm. think that uh, it's hard to make chess cinematic, and I don't think they really cracked it in this movie. I think that uh, even like think about it. You know, I think a good comparison is like watching like a football game. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, Ted, Ted, Ted Lasso being a great example. They don't mm-hmm. show you the whole game or anything like that, right? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't make sense. They barely explain any of the rules to you. Uh, so I'm fine with all that stuff. But like they at least show you the highlights, right? They at least show you like, here, here's a critical moment in this game when something important needs to happen. And you as the audience grasp what the stakes are. And this uh, show, The Queen's Gambit, I don't feel like trust the audience that much uh, with anything, but especially with the chess. They don't trust you to know what the chess is or what it means or what the different moves mean because the the show never slows down enough to show you enough of what's happening to really grok it. Now, I know people have gone on YouTube and they've recreated all the chess games and like they're actually really interesting for those who want to dig in, but it's really not part of the experience of watching the show itself in my opinion um so i was disappointed with how the chess was played out as well so anyway those are my thoughts on queen's gambit jeff it's like i I don't know if you had anything to add but sounds like you and i thought this was okay not great yeah i i I, that's that's what i would say it's it's fine it's not it, it wasn't a bad show by any stretch of the imagination but i totally agree with what you said like it it doesn't feel like it's about anything and um uh, I don't know. I, there are there are moments that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, there are moments that are very enjoyable. There are cinematic things that happen, but boy, it feels it feels glacially slow, and yes. oh. it, it it doesn't. It just it it. There's no verve, you know. There's no like. There's no spark of life in it to, for me. And um, despite yeah. some wonderful performances and some interesting moments, it just didn't add up to much. But we're glad that all of you out there enjoy it. Yes, uh, that's save your emails. <laughs> so no need to write to us about why you loved it. No, I mean, you can if you want. We might read some of them on the air. But um, that is our thoughts on The Queen's Gambit. And you can find it right now on Netflix. Hey, let me tell you about our sponsor, Better Help. This is something that both my wife and myself have been grateful to have. If there's anything that is interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, maybe you want to talk to a licensed professional therapist. It really can help. It really can feel good. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. This is not self-help. This is actual professional counseling that is done securely online. And my wife and I have both taken advantage of this. This is a stressful time. This is a hard time. There's a lot of there's a lot of darkness that that she and I have both been dealing with, a lot of uh, real, real stress. And it's nice to have someone that you can talk to on your own time, in your own space. You get a, a much wider range of counselors that you can choose from because you're not 
You're not tied to people that just happen to be around you. And if you find that the therapeutic match that you made initially is not the right one for you, BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change counselors if you need. This is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, betterhelp.com slash filmcast. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So, just for Slash Filmcast listeners, get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash the word filmcast. All right, folks, uh, before we get to our review, let's get two weekly plugs. All right, Weekly Plugs is the part of the show each week where we plug something we've been involved with making or that we just really want to support. Uh, this week, I'll plug a post-election episode of Culturally Relevant that I recorded with my wife this week. It's just us reflecting on everything that's happened in the course of the last week. Uh, it's basically kind of uh, what we talked about in the first part of this podcast, but for 80 minutes. So if you want to listen to that... Uh, then check out Culturally Relevant at culturallyrelevantshow.com or wherever your podcast can be downloaded. Or if you feel, hey, I listened to this podcast for the movies. How dare you talk about politics? Then don't check this out. Um, but uh, hopefully you are interested. So that's my weekly plug. Devendra, how about you? If they listen oh. to this show for the, not for the politics, they haven't gotten this far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. We spent the first half hour talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> they shut, they've already shut off the show and discussed, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's totally fine. Devendra. Uh, yeah, um, I pl- I did a live stream of some Xbox Series X gameplay last week with uh, my colleague Jessica Condit. Um, we had a lot of fun. We haven't really done much live streaming it in Gadget, um, but I think I want to bring it back, especially for new systems like this. So go check that out. That's on our YouTube channel. And um, yeah, let me know if you liked it. I need to really work on my streaming setup over here. Um, but we do have like a good video production team. So they, it's a new challenge for them. And I really enjoyed doing it. I also want to shout out, uh, keep an eye on Gadget for, uh, I don't know, probably something happening with Apple and MacBooks this week. Because it is the the rumored switch where they're moving away from Intel chips to their own chips. And I don't I think it's rumored. Probably, I, think they, I think they said yeah, that it was going to happen. So this is probably going to be, gonna be yeah, the, yeah, the realization of it. They, yeah. did, they did say that. Um, but yeah, we. I mean, it's going to happen. So I predict it's going to be very interesting. If you're a hardware geek, uh, this is going to be a fantastic week to pay attention. I am psyched about what the news is going to be tomorrow, and I'm actually psyched about Davindra's coverage as well. I've been following Davindra's coverage of the new systems. Um, he's been putting out some cool videos over at Engadget, so check those out. Oh, thanks. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Yeah, it is. It's a very fun time for video games. You know, we don't have new consoles. You know, only once every five or six years. So I'll take this opportunity to plug my video game podcast as well, um, DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week that we had uh, Alex Amancio on, uh, who it was was fascinating, interesting developer. Uh, we got another Alex this week, this last week, another Alex who's a, a developer. Uh, so we had back-to-back Alex episodes. It's, it's a theme for November. I'm going to see if I can find another Alex next week. Um, but... This episode was great too. Alex Sulman from 
Dice LA, he no longer works there, but for years has been in the industry. Uh, he brought some really fascinating perspectives to the new consoles uh, from a developer's point of view, what he's excited about for the future. Um, it, it was It's a great talk. And I also uh, did my review of Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is a great, great follow-up to the first Spider-Man game, so which good. was a great game. Yeah. So um, check that out, 5x5.tv slash DLC. And as usual, we will link to all weekly plugs in the show notes for this podcast. So check them out there. We also want to thank the people who donated to the podcast this week via PayPal. You can go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast if you want to support the podcast. Thanks to Jamie Scott and thanks to Matt Quo from Everett, Washington. Really appreciate your donations, folks. Uh, of course, never donate if it in any way causes you hardship of any kind. Uh, but if you want to throw some bucks our way, paypal.me slash filmcast is a great way to do it. You can also support us for free by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a star rating. It just takes a few seconds. And of course, we have a Patreon now. You can support us at patreon.com slash filmpodcast and get some bonus content, some ad-free episodes that way as well. Thanks to the over 900 people that have supported us Ooh, on Patreon wow. over the course of the last month. Yeah, uh, so it's close incredible. So close to 1,000, you guys. So, so close, close to 1,000. You know, there is a thing where people um, kind of mark uh, rewards when people reach certain goals, um, like milestones, right? Like a certain number of dollars per month or a certain number of patrons. I was wondering, like, maybe we should put together, like, some kind of uh, goal for 1,000 patrons. Sure. That's um, a great idea. Not, not sure what it would be. Not sure what it would be. Um a lot of people might suggest like a Firefly review. That's not going to happen at a thousand patrons. It might happen. <laughs> at, might happen at two thousand. It's yeah, never going to happen. It will. Yeah. The heat death of the universe will need to happen first. For <laughs> this to I think two thousand patrons, we could do it. I think Dave will do it at two thousand. Yeah, patrons. I, I would do and, it. At and 2, to be patrons. honest, that's a tiny fraction of the total number of people who listen it's a are tiny listening to us right now. Uh, you know, you know, this is not a joke. At three thousand patrons, or not three thousand, but like maybe like thirty five hundred patrons, I really feel like. Um, I could probably make some like career changes that would let me make more content, you know, sure. more produce more things on the internet. Um, which again, are you saying is, if people pay us for things, they get more things? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's like, and that by the way would still be like a fairly small fraction of people who listen to the podcast. So yeah, um, yeah. the Patreon is a really kind of significant influence in in how we make things, and so. Um, we really appreciate everyone that's contributed over I, there, but yeah, I had a, I had a shower thought, you know, as a shot a thought when I was in the shower, mm. uh, and, and I was just kind of musing on, on the election and, you know, that the, we set records, I guess there was the most people who voted since 1900 with the largest percentage of voters. Percentage since turnout. Yeah. Since mm -hmm. 1900. Yeah. Yep. And we had what, like 170 million people that voted. And I was thinking like, 170 million Americans voted. And what tiny fraction of that I would need to listen to the things that I make for it to completely <laughs> change my life. You know what I mean? Like for it to just absolutely change my life. What a tiny drop in that bucket it would take. I mean, I'm very grateful for the size of the audience that I and we have. Don't get me wrong, but uh man what i wouldn't give for just 
the tiniest. I mean, uh, you're just asking for one percent of the world's population to listen to your stuff, Jeff. <laughs> no, you not know? even world. Though, just America. Yeah, but I mean, world you're would just, be nice. You're just asking for one percent. What, what uh, does a guy need to do to get one percent of the world's population to listen to his stuff? You know, <laughs> what's the guy got to do? do? Seriously, I mean, how many? Do you how want, many, universe? Dave, how many fucking limericks do I need to write? You know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everyone who supported us. And uh, we're going to continue to roll out those After Dark episodes uh, through the new year. So look forward to that. Let's get to our review of His House. Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers, not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this address. We are good people. Whether or not you're good people, it's not me that needs convincing. It's a palace. This entire house is just for us. It's gonna be nice, you're gonna be happy. As long as you can get along, fit in, be one of the good ones. This is our home. All I can taste is the metal. We'll get used to it. from the trailer for His House, the newest film by Remy Weeks, written and directed by him. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. Uh, So... I'm going to ask you guys, uh, let's start with Devendra. What did you think mm-hmm. of this movie? You'd watched this a few weeks ago. You'd recommended yes. it for yeah. us yeah. to review on the podcast. I uh, did. Overall, and, uh, overall thoughts on his house. I absolutely loved it. I love horror movies that just aim for something a little different. And I, I think when I first heard about this movie, people were talking it ab- about it as sort of a haunted house movie. And it kind of is, but it's actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say too much before we get into spoilers, but it's it's a movie that's more about grief and trauma and being a refugee in an indifferent country really like there there's a point in this movie where the like the first half of this movie is just these this couple trying to get used to life uh you know in a random english town it's not even like it's not a big place it's kind of gray it's kind of dull but i appreciate seeing how they try to make a life there um the the lead guy uh by the way played by sope derisu who stars in gangs of london and kicks tremendous amounts of ass in that show so it is a great year for this guy um but the uh, the man Boyle, he draws a map or he draws a map for his wife to just tell her okay walk down the street turn here here's how you get to the store or you get to the church or something is just an interesting look at how strangers in a new land try to make it work even when everyone around them seems completely unwelcoming in a way um it's weird because yeah this is a story about refugees in britain and through luck of the draw they have a whole house to themselves um kind of a in a rundown section of the city but still a house and they've had nothing so it seems like it's a good thing but so much of this movie is devoted to just the indignities and the injustice that they face, just trying to live. And then, oh, by the way, it's it's terrifying 
because they're haunted by something um, that's in the house and that is slowly clawing away at their psyches. We all have a lot to talk about in spoilers, but I have to say I, I love this movie. It is it's an extraordinary debut and and a truly effective horror movie. Like it's the sort of thing that gets underneath your bones because it's so harrowing. All right, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on his house. Well, Dave, I guess my thoughts on Hill House are best summed up his, in the form of a limerick. His, Hill House. I think you mean what his house. What did I house. say? You said oh. Hill House. Oh, I I watched the, the other wrong house. thing. I watched <laughs> The you watched the Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House, instead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I, be- I played Betrayal on House on the Hill, unfortunately. The board game. Oh, man. Oh, wow. What? That's on me. The That's Haunting just of on Bly me. Manor? Okay, sorry, go <laughs> <on>. <laughs> All right, here comes the limerick. Like the best genre films before, this movie's a grim metaphor. As more is revealed, the onion is peeled, finding trauma that can't be ignored. Ooh, well done, that's Jeff. Good. That's just that's like just a solid limerick. Yeah, just, thank you. Well it's played. not flashy, you know. It's not flashy, <laughs> um, but uh, it still obviously displays a great deal of skill and sophistication. So, well, nice you know, what? if anybody's listening, wants their own cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. That's what I'm saying. Is it? Um, is it? Is it cameo? That's Jeff Canada. Jeff Canada. I think I think <laughs> Devendra used the absolute right word when he said harrowing. Uh, this is a harrowing movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, by all measure, a horror film. But it also kind of doesn't feel like a horror film to me. Uh, it feels like a, a a drama. It feels like a um, a movie of, uh, just delving into the trauma of these characters. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it manifests that trauma in a horrific uh, symbol. Right. But but what you're really experiencing, I, I didn't even it, it wasn't even like scary to me. It was just hard, hard. And and I, I was emotionally invested in these people's plight more than I was terrified by what was lurking in their house or around every corner or whatever. Uh, it, and it's it's really skillful filmmaking. And the the imagery is so incredible. There are scenes of you know, sort of dreamlike imagery, the, the the way this house, I mean, there's lots of, you know, monster in a house movies. There's lots of, there's a thing behind the walls movies, you know, the way this, in fact, we did another one this year that I didn't think was very good. The, um, what was the one about the mom? Relic? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, which I quite enjoyed, you know? Yes. So, I know both yeah. of you did. I, 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 it, I didn't care for it, but I think this movie does what that movie wanted to do so much better than it did. And I just love how the just visually and um, um, texturally it, Mm -hmm. it delivers that feeling of this house being, uh, you know, being sort of at war with the place that you are in, you know, being battling against your own environment. It's so, it's so, tangible in this movie and and you just you feel the texture of it um it, the performances are excellent uh it it is it is dark and it is harrowing it really the more you find out and we'll talk about it in spoilers but the more you find out about these people and what they went through the the darker it gets but it is you know it's an extraordinary movie and an extraordinary debut for a first time filmmaker i you know it's I, so confident it's so it's confident. very confident. Yes. And and it's 
it's a movie that's that doesn't pull its punches. You know, it 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 really knows what it's trying to say, and it stands there and makes you take it. Um, and that's pretty impressive. So uh, I I think very highly of this movie. I can't say I liked it watching it. It put me through the ringer. It really did. It was it, it was depressing and and rough to watch, but you know, in the best way. It's it's a very good movie. Yeah, I, I echo all of your thoughts, both of you. I really like this movie. I think it's really well done, and it tells a story that we don't really see told that often in films, but is actually very relevant, especially in America. I know the film doesn't take place in America, um, but the idea of refugees trying to build a new life for themselves, leaving a world of horror behind and finding new horrors in the place where they arrive, new uh, alienation, uh, people resistant to their presence. Uh, I think it's very relevant. And like what movies like this remind us of is like the journey that everyone has had to go through is something that you are likely completely unaware of, unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. And you need to respect that. You know, you need to and also like, yeah. no matter where you go, you can't really escape everything. You yeah. know, you so bring true. part of yourself and all of the horrors that you've ever been through. There's, you know, you talk about making a fresh start. It's, it, it's not completely fresh, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Um, also, before we move to spoilers, just a quick shout out for one me Masaku, who plays so good. the f- yeah. female lead in this in this movie. Um, she was also great in Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She's one of the leads in Lovecraft Country, and uh, she is very very talented. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, her in more things. She also, uh, I believe, she's British as well. So like, she's kind of had an American accent for Lovecraft country and kind of had a Sudanese accent for this movie. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it felt completely authentic to me. You know, it didn't feel like somebody (laughs) doing an accent. It felt like this person is chameleon, like transforming into these different roles. I think she's great. So, uh, I really appreciated the movie. We have more to discuss, so let's do it right now in spoilers for his house. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right, let's talk about spoilers. One of the things I really appreciated about this film, it has a a technique mm-hmm. uh, that I appreciate. Where basically, you think you're you're watching a scene play out, right? And then the camera will go cut to a tight shot of the scene, and then it will slowly pull back. And then you realize that you're actually in a completely different location. Um, and it uses that uh, kind of effect many, t- like several times throughout the course of the film. Like um, there's this moment when um, uh, Sope's character is eating, and then it pulls back, and you, you see that his, like, He's actually like eating in the middle of the water, and you know you, yeah. you realize in the middle of a dream that was very effective. Or a scene when you see the two leads together, and uh, it pulls back, and you think she's kind of in her hometown and everything's fine, but it pulls back, and you realize like everyone that she knows has been slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I thought it was a very like haunting thing to do, haunting experience. Um, so I really appreciated that kind of technique. But one of the big things about, and, and you know, actually, I want to say. Um, spoilers for the Babadook coming up. So how about this? I'm going to spoil the I'm going to spoil the Babadook at some point. Um, so I'll give I'll give you a few more seconds before I do that. But until then, Jeff Kanata, uh, I, I think some of the things you were talking about, you were referring to like what these characters have been through. The big shock, of course, mm-hmm. uh, about two thirds of the way through the film, 
is you discover that their daughter was someone they had kidnapped, right? Yeah. And the scene so when they rough. kidnap her is one of the most harrowing scenes I've yeah. seen in a movie just mm-hmm. because of the, mo- the that kid's mom like screaming, mm-hmm. like running the desperation in her eyes. Uh, it's a horrible thing they did. So it's a horrible, horrible thing they did. So deeply and, upsetting. So deeply yeah. upsetting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, did you ever react? Like, what was your reaction to that when, when you watched it? I mean, I was, I was crying, uh, and, and I, you know, I was, it, it's, it is, it's a shock because, I mean, it's a, it's a twist in a, in a really clever way, but also, you know, it, it's one of those ones where it throws, you start to question how you feel about these characters and now what they've done. And it completely changed it it moves the axis on which you are viewing the movie, right? You are, you are watching this horror movie where you're rooting for your protagonists. And all of a sudden you realize they caused the horror, right? They are, they are the root cause of every horrible thing that's happening to them. And it really is just an expression of this, this darkness inside them, uh, you know, that, and you know, it, it's it's a very powerful moment and a very bold thing to do to your protagonists mm-hmm. um, to make them v- villains in a certain way. I mean, obviously, it's a complicated moment and a complicated situation and a, and a horrible one. But um, you know, I, I, I that's when I really thought this movie it it went from being like effective and interesting and uh, creepy and um, the the look and the feel and it was compelling and all these things it was already a good movie but it elevated to a moment where i was like wow this is yeah. this is really intense right. and you just great, didn't see it coming yeah, yeah exactly it's a great because, twist a great yeah. twist. and and what i like about this movie uh is that well I, you know one of the things i want to get to is that the uh the ghost is a stand-in for a concept, right? It's a metaphor, right? right? And it's very similar to the Babadook, both in terms of the fact that in both this movie and the Babadook, the monster actually represents a real-life concept. In the Babadook, it was grief. In this one, I don't know what you describe it, guilt, I guess. Yeah, yeah. um, At like the the atrocities that they've committed, right? And in both the Babadook and this movie, uh, they kind of learn how to deal with it, which is you can't kill it. You can't just make it go away. You can't escape it. You have to face it, right? Well, that's kind of what happens in Relic, also. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's it's similar to that. And in, in in the the horror, the the horror of the grandmother is 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 you know her dementia, and and at the end of that as well is the well, embracing. Here, are we going to spoil a Relic right now? Is that what's <laughs> well, Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so if, if let's not spoil a Relic, uh, there's actually someone wrote in an incredible email about Relic actually that I, I we didn't get a chance to read, but like yeah, maybe we can do that. it in After Dark. Yeah. But basically, like one of the great things about Relic is this idea of um, dementia makes people that you love scary to other yeah. people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and like that's a central concept of that movie. But yeah, these are all movies that basically take real life things that we deal with, real life emotional tragedies that we deal with and make them into like kind of supernatural horrors that um are right. visually very interesting. And I think all of them are kind of very very good in the, in their own way. Uh one other thing I want to shout out about this movie, His House is 
it just does a really good job of making this house into a terrifying location. I mean, <laughs> there's a scene when he walks into this room and the wallpaper comes down and this is yeah. like the loudest wallpaper peeling I've ever heard in a movie. It just like comes out. Right. I'm like, I jumped in my seat because of how... It doesn't, it doesn't peel like wallpaper. It peels right. like skin. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's really effective the way in which the house becomes this place of this this location of horror where you never know what's going to happen but like it's like the house itself is turning against you right this location this place this life that they're trying to build for themselves has turned against them it's fascinating so mm-hmm. Devendra, any thoughts on the ending of this movie i mean i think it's incredibly powerful and yeah it did remind me a lot of the babadook um I, there, there's so much to say because I feel like I was still reeling from the twist you and seeing how they're going to deal with it. And I don't think I don't know if the movie fully, you know, they will have to fight this demon and live with what they did. I feel like the, I would have liked something a little more about them acknowledging what they did and the horrors of what they did. Whereas I think by the end, it's mainly just we get we get to get got to confront this ghost. We got to deal with this problem. It, it, it kind of like, yeah. they, they kind of have this conversation and then it kind of cuts to them yeah. kind of being visited by the uh, social services people again. Mm-hmm. And that whole subplot, I actually thought was really great because, Oh yeah. Uh, here's what's great about that subplot because I felt like all those people being pretty reasonable, like they're, they're kind of quote unquote, the villains in the sense that they're unreasonable and the like you, you wanting to relate to the protagonist and root for right, them. You right, want right. them to like, Hey, please understand these guys are dealing with like ghosts and things you can't possibly understand. You want them to be understanding, but at the they're same time, they're just bureaucrats. Like, yeah, yeah. They're just bureau- they're, they're bureaucrats. They're trying to do their job. They're actually like somewhat compassionate, you know, in my opinion, at least. Um, and oh, I mean, ne- never trust Matt Smith, right? Like whenever you see that guy pop up, um, <laughs> because like he's he's telling them it's all right, and then he immediately goes back and reports them. You know, which is, I, I get it. it it's yeah. also tough what they're doing, but there it's there's a layer of condescension throughout the entire system. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That I think is uh, is an important element of what makes this you know an inhospitable world for them. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's what's and, great is, is it, yeah. it illustrates kind of, you know, one of the things that's been really a, a flashpoint in debate in our culture is like the concept of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And like many people reject the concept of white privilege outright. Like if their lives are not going well, like white privilege is a concept that cannot be grasped and is offensive. And mm-hmm. um, what I think a movie like this shows is like some components of the idea of privilege, which is that many people never have to deal with the stuff these characters are dealing with, right? They just don't need to um, deal with like living in a shitty place and like not having, not being able to have friends over and like all these, uh, not having a job, all these obstacles that these not, characters Not face. being able to have a job, but only getting like a, a pittance to live yeah. on every yeah. week. Like, mm, yeah. So I liked, I liked that. Or how the about movie... trying to get into a bus when a Jeep full of machine gun toting, you know, yeah. War criminals mm-hmm. is driving it, and that's a that's something most people don't have to deal with either. Yeah. Exactly. What would you so do think, in that situation? You know, to get in. Yeah. I think, I think the, the movie. The, yeah, mm-hmm. it does a great job of kind of showing the the challenges that people have to go through to even get to the point where they can have a life. You know, in uh, a country like the UK. So, anyway, sorry, Devendra, I'm stepping a little bit on what you're saying. Do you have any further no, no, thoughts? No, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, and I, I will say, I. I it's just like it is that layer of condescension that just really got to me because it's the whole system, right? Because ostensibly 
the refugee system is built uh, and the asylum system is built to take care of these people that come in. But like every person, every single step of the way is just like, I got to fucking deal with these people. Okay. Oh, you got a house. Lucky you. And it's just like, it is, it is that whole layer of things. Um, Matt Smith is like, I think at the beginning when they first meet him, he's like, okay, he is, he's genuinely trying. He's going to, when he reports them, he's doing his job. Uh, but like when, when um, Sope's character goes to them and says like, I, I can't live in this house. And the guys in the back are just saying, well, it's, it's bigger than my house. Probably is. Your house probably also has like, you know, running electricity and it you know is not just in that doesn't just look like a hellhole like there, there's a lot going on there yeah. um but yeah I, I like how complex this movie is like there, there is no nobody's just one thing and i feel like that's my favorite kind of movie okay yeah, that, that feeling really starts in that first sequence when they're sitting in front of that panel yeah and he's like we're you know we're good people and he's like i, I, I don't it doesn't I don't yeah. care. And I don't yeah, care. Like, He's like Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. He's like, I don't yeah. care. You know, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I love the visual at the end of them. Like, for there's this kind of interesting series of cuts at the end of the movie where it's like first they're surrounded by the ghosts, mm-hmm. and then the ghosts are on the other side of them. You know, and it's like, oh you yeah, can, it's you so can, powerful. It's very powerful, and it's like you can live. You have to live with these ghosts, but that you don't need to be like dominated by them. Mm-hmm. But you must. Mm-hmm confront them in some way yeah and uh it's very it's very powerful it's haunting and it has it leaves no easy answers so Mm -hmm. any other thoughts i think we all we all really appreciated this one so uh great choice but yeah oh i mean the one thing i will also comment on is you know this is a relentless movie yes there is no virtually no levity to be found whatsoever right like it's yeah some some movies Brutal. kind of balance. It's hit the when tone. he goes to the church and he he sings a soccer song, I think that's a that's a little bit of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's Maybe. it. That's, that's the, the one moment. Like, you one of them, damn refugees, come here. I, I got some shit for you. Um, but that's yeah. yeah, yeah. You think that's gonna be? A, you think that's gonna turn out badly? And it's like, oh no, he actually did have some <laughs> yeah, shit for yeah, him. Yeah, you know, that's that nice. Beer. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Like to reflect on, you know. Um, if if a movie like this had more levity, would that make its horror more impactful? You know, I I'm not saying I'm not saying I, I don't have an answer one way or the other. But I don't, yeah, I some, don't know how you do it with a story like this. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I mean, some horror movies mix in you know a mm-hmm. great deal of humor with their horror, and this movie does not do that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is but just I also think nonstop. It's, it's like a right? it's a tight ninety minutes, right? It's, it's yeah, it, it's yeah. a it's so tight. You know, it, it respects your it time. It respects your time. Yeah. It doesn't make room for that stuff, uh, and it is brutal. It's a brutal experience. It is harrowing, but it, um, it, you know, it 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 is there's it trims the fat too. There's no there's no excess anywhere. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for our review of his house, streaming right now on Netflix. Oh, one last shout out. Uh, the woman who plays Nyagak's mom, uh, Lola May, is the actress, and I'm pretty sure that. Cra- that like wild look in her eyes as she's running after the bus has seared its way into my memory. Like Man, I don't think I'm gonna be yeah. able to forget that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a memorable look, moment. This look of this mom who has like lost her child and like probably will never see her again. It's just mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Every I mean, parent's they, worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. they take yeah. the kid and then the kid dies like that. Yeah, that just that series of events. Like you killed someone else's kid. It's ah, oh, dude. It's like it's, ugh can't even it's incomprehensible incomprehensible yeah. so anyway lola may was the actress just wanted to give her a shout out um but that's our conversation discussion review of his house check it out on netflix it's great 
Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh, filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube videos. And our uh, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Thanks to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash film podcast for supporting us. Uh, this week, the After Dark will be about Brandon Cronenberg's movie Possessor. Uh, patrons will get that episode first. So Cronenberg. Cronenberg, I think is the pronunciation. Cranenberg? Cranenberg, right? Um, <laughs> next week on the podcast, we're going to be discussing Mank. The new David Fincher movie that's going to be on Netflix. Just and what what's so funny about that? A lot, of, a lot of things to pronounce what's, over here. How, what's how are not you not funny Mank? about Mank? There's nothing about Mank. Nothing about Mank. Um, and for the After Dark, uh, we are probably going to be discussing some combination of Citizen Kane, which is relevant to Mank, and or and or new video game consoles that are coming out next week. That's, so, it's, a, it's a perfect sandwich. That's peanut butter so, and jelly right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, two great tastes that go great together. Or, you know, <laughs> some combination of them. I can't guarantee what percentage will go to which one. So uh, that's what's in store for the podcast and the After Dark next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you very soon. We watch the movies, flicks,